The place we gather for holidays, family time, meals, and conversation is the table. It is at the table that we share life, share a meal, celebrate family, and make memories. Jesus calls his family to gather at a table. It's a table of fellowship, worship, joy, and life. Something special happens when we come to the table to give thanks. Something beautiful happens when we share together, pray together, worship, and commit together. Something wonderful happens when we gather in Christ's name at the table. This past week, Heather was, um, as always, making some great things around the house, except this time it was something that's not one of my favorites. And uh, Heather really doesn't have much like that, you know, that she just says, I'm not going to eat that. Uh, but that one thing for her, grits, for some reason, I don't know why, but that's about the only thing. Everything else, she'll try, she'll eat. But for me, the thing she was making that I just really have a hard time with, Brussels sprouts. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> can I get an amen? Yeah, it's just rough. I don't know, you know, from the, just the smell when you're cooking them, it's like, have the cat's been in here or what? What is that smell? You know, what? I just, it's really difficult. I, I tried it. She made it with, you know, like bacon and some syrup on it and all this kind of stuff. And it was great. It's like Brussels sprouts. So, now it wasn't so bad, but it was still Brussels sprouts. So, the, the thing, you know, Heather always kind of uh, had as a rule at our table when our kids were growing up and we gathered at the table there would be foods like that that would appear from time to time, not always that adventurous, but our kids, it, it felt like adventure to them. And so they'd say, ah, oh, yuck, I don't want to eat that. And Heather would say, well, here's the deal. You have to try it, and then if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. That's a pretty decent, you know, guideline for the table. So that was usually difficult, though, for some of our kids. And, but they would try it, and I went along. And then we learn to be thankful, even though we might not have liked the thing that we were eating at the time. So I tried to be thankful this past week that Heather had made Brussels sprouts. I tried them again, wasn't a fan, and it was okay, she said. So it's interesting, the things that you can teach at the table. It's a great time for family training. It's a great time to learn some life lessons. If something comes your way you don't like, Try it. If you don't like it, it's okay. It might be that you need to go ahead and eat some because mom made it. Go ahead and do the thing because it's good for you. But be thankful for what has been done for you. The table's a great place for gathering and training. I know this week uh, you'll sit down around a table, most likely with family. We will as well. Family will come over. There'll be some great food. There'll be uh, sweet potato casserole of some kind. There'll be green bean casserole, I'm sure. There'll be a family favorite of ours called pretzel salad. Yeah, come see me about that. I'll tell you all about it. It's amazing. And, um, but the favorite part of the day for me is right after the meal. Because when our family gathers... We like to make something more than just the food as the mealtime. And so I will plan some questions that will lead to some discussion that will bring us to a place of thankfulness for what God has done in our lives this past year, experiences we've been through. And every time we do that, every time we get to the place where we begin to truly express our thanks, not just feel thankful, but express that thanks, I think I can say every time God shows up in a unique way. There's something that happens when two or more are gathered together and they begin to share and express thanks. When they begin to point out, here's where God has worked. Here's what God is doing. Here's where I'm trusting God. God shows up in those moments. You know, I can have a, a quiet time alone, and God shows up in those moments. 
but there's something unique that happens when two or more are gathered together in his name. He shows up in a different way. That's part of why we're gathered here today as the church. I believe that's part of God's design. It's so that at times like this, we sing, we speak, we pray, and we bring to light what God has done, what God is doing, and he shows up. Amen? And the more that participate in it, in expressing what God has done, is doing, and what you're trusting him for, the more he shows up. And it's beautiful when that happens. So today, we're going to see from a passage of Scripture what happens when a couple of guys decide to express their thankfulness to God and how God shows up in that moment. And we're going to tie a table into all of this. You'll see. So Acts chapter 16, turn your Bibles with me there. We're beginning in verse 20, and I'll give you a little bit of background. Acts chapter 16, verse 20, you can follow along in your uh, printed Bible, you follow along in your Bible app, you can follow me on screen, you're welcome to take pictures of the screen for notes, all of that, that'd be great. Background on Acts chapter 16, it's the early ages of the church, it's the early time, the church is fresh, it's young, it's, it's vibrant, it's exciting, things are happening, God is moving, people are being saved, miracles are happening, and God is showing up all over the place. You get to Acts chapter 16, and, and a man named Saul, who had been a persecutor of Christians, has come to faith, and he's now the apostle Paul, and he's going, and he's speaking, and he's preaching, and he's declaring what God has done in his life, and he's declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they move throughout the town, God is doing big things because he's proclaiming the gospel. The Apostle Paul is with a man named Silas, and they're going to a town. And in this town is a woman who has been um, possessed with an evil spirit. And the religious leaders in town, instead of trying to help this woman be free, they've been using her to their advantage. Because this evil spirit that has possessed her has the ability to see a little bit into the future and, and make some proclamations, reveal some things. And so these religious leaders, can you imagine this? Some religious leaders in the name of God have been using this woman to try to better themselves instead of set her truly free. They're using her. Paul and Silas come along and they present the gospel and she gets free. She has this evil spirit cast out of her, and all of a sudden she is praising God, and now these religious leaders who were using her are not so happy. You just cut into our program. You just cut into our, our, our life. You're just cutting off the supply of what was giving us money in the name of God, and they don't like it. And so they set out and arrest Paul and Silas. And they're not happy about it at all. This is where our passage picks up, verse 20. It says, And they brought them, Paul and Silas, to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not, which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. They're teaching things, these religious leaders said, that are not our custom, these religious leaders said. They make up all this stuff here to really cover their true motives. Verse 22 says, Then the multitude rose up together against them. Imagine that. Some people rising up for their own benefit stir up a crowd against these guys. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. This is getting serious all of a sudden. This is not a minor infraction. This is serious. And they take them and they strip them and they are ordered to be beaten with rods. Verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Do not let these men out. Do not let them go. Verse 24, having received such a charge... He put them into the inner prison because they're such vile, harsh, cruel criminals and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas, two men surrendered to God to do whatever God has called them to do, 
to proclaim the gospel, to go up against social rejection, and they do it. They sacrifice their reputation, they sacrifice their futures, and they go and proclaim the gospel. They're doing exactly what God called them to do, and it ends up costing them. Mm, Not a popular message today in America. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, follow him, and things are going to get worse for you. Not popular today. People today want to hear how it's going to make their bank account better, how it's going to help them get a promotion at work, how it's going to help their investments, how it's going to help everything in their family. Yeah, I understand all of that, but Paul and Silas were suffering. They were they were having to pay because they took a stand for Jesus Christ. It was, it was costing them something. They're in prison. They've been beaten. They've done exactly what God called them to do, and they're suffering unjustly. And they never, they never more look like Jesus in this moment. Amen? They're suffering because of what God has called them to do. But boy, that's tough today. You get treated unfairly at work. You get cut off on your way home on the highway. You find out that a bill has come in that you're being overcharged for. And boy, that makes for a pretty rotten afternoon, right? You know, that's for us. It's just a pretty rotten day after that. But sometimes that stuff happens. Sometimes you don't get treated like you think you deserve to be treated. Sometimes you get cut off in traffic. Sometimes things don't go your way. Sometimes there's conflict in the family. Sometimes you get taken advantage of. Sometimes you get treated unfairly. But what you do next in this moment will reveal whether you will sit at the table and receive from God or you'll be banished outside. Mm. I want to sit at the table, amen? I want to sit at the table and receive some riches. Amen? I want to take in what God has for me. I want to eat at his table. Great. God is going to prepare a table for you in some very unlikely places. He's going to arrange a table for you in some places you might be surprised to find a table. We like to come to the table when it's comfortable. We like to come to the table when it's all for us. We like to come to the table when we've had a chance to prepare for it. Guess what? Sometimes God will prepare a table for you when you're in your worst situation. And for Paul and Silas in jail, treated unfairly, having been beaten, having had all their things taken from them, having been put in the stocks, are about to sit at a table. This is where the table comes in. God arranges tables like that for us. It's not the table we were expecting. Not the time we thought. But David wrote a very familiar psalm in the Old Testament that says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a before me. Where? In the presence of mine enemies. Mm. God prepares tables in places we might not have suspected. Paul and Silas, they were sitting at a table. It would have been an easy time to complain, be bitter, be angry, be resentful, be jealous, doubt, and even turn away from God. This is what I get. I sacrifice all, and this is what happens to me. This is what it is. This is my lot. This is where I am. Mm -hmm. This is your table. So today I want us to think about the power of expressing thanks together at the table. The very next verse in Acts chapter 16 says this. 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. At midnight. It's been a long day. It's been a difficult day. It hasn't gone like they thought. They'd just seen a woman set free. They'd seen life come into a community, and all of a sudden there's reaction, there's rejection, there's arrest, there's beating, there's imprisonment. They're put in stocks, and it's late in the night. It's frustrating. They're in a dark place. They're put in there with the other prisoners, the other convicts, the other people who had really messed up. They're in a bad spot, not knowing what tomorrow was going to be like, but it says at midnight, at the darkest hour, in the late hour, in the uncertain hour, Paul and Silas are praying. But they're not just praying and begging God to set them free. They're praying and singing hymns to God. They are replaying the faithfulness of God. That's what hymns are. They're story songs that replay the faithfulness of God. They remind us that he's been good. And so here in the dark, in the late, in prison, in a hopeless situation by human eyes, Paul and Silas are expressing thanks. God, we don't know what you have planned next, but we trust you because your ways are good. You delivered your people before. You'll deliver your people again. God, I don't know what is next, but I'll trust you because you love me. God, just like you delivered Daniel from the lion's den, just like you delivered David from a giant. Just like you delivered your people from the Red Sea. Just like you delivered your people from Pharaoh. We believe you will deliver us as well. And they are praying and expressing their gratitude in the midnight hour. It doesn't just say that they were thankful but didn't say anything to each other. I'm afraid that what, that's probably what might have happened to some of us men if we had been in that situation. We might have been sitting there thinking about it and wondering where God is and thinking, well, God, I'm sure you probably have a plan for me but, and us, but I'm sure you're not going to say anything right here in this prison situation. You can imagine, I can just imagine Silas kind of going through that in his own mind. Maybe he's sitting there thinking, man, I don't know what's going on here in this situation. And it's all quiet in the prison. You know, it's late at night. There's not much happening. And I can just imagine, the scripture doesn't say this happened, so I'm just kind of adding some here. I just imagine Saul saying, Silas. Hey, Silas, why don't, we, uh, why don't we pray a little bit? Here, Paul, what are you crazy? These people are going to think we're nuts. Come on, Silas, I think we should really start praying right now. Are you kidding me? Have you seen what happened to us today? The last time we said God will do whatever you want, we ended up right here. Are you crazy, Paul? Come on, Silas. Let's not just pray. Let's sing. What? <laughs> not going to sing here in this prison. Are you crazy? Right? Amen, men? Can you identify with Yeah, I understand what I'm talking about. It's kind of an awkward situation. Like, I don't want to do that right here. This hadn't been a good day. We're going to look like fools saying, thank you, God, for letting us be in prison. We're going to look crazy. And Paul says, we're going to sing. Because we're not here because of what men have done to us. We're here because God has put us here. There is no man who has power over what God has given us and who he's made us to be. No man has power over what God can do. And he starts reminding him. And soon they're praying. Soon they're singing. Soon they're singing about God's love. Soon they're singing about God's power, God's deliverance. And an interesting thing happens in the next part of the verse, verse 25. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. Mm. You see, they had been strategically placed by the guard in the inner prison. Remember it said that? In the inner prison? It was in the center of all of the other cells. 
strategically placed, not by that guard, but by God, so that when they began to pray and when they began to sing, everybody would hear. Mm. You're not where you are today because of what someone else has done to you. You're where you are today by God's strategic, sovereign hand. When you recognize that, when you begin to thank him for it, though you can't see how or why it's going to play out, oh, amazing things happen. Not just feeling it, expressing it. Paul and Silas, I'm sure, were not just there like, okay, okay, I'll do this. Let's, let's, let's try it. Yeah, I'm sure that's not what they did. I'm sure they're just like, they didn't know Amazing Grace, but I'm sure they're like, all right, let's sing it. Amazing Grace. You know, they just break out and people are like, what, what is going on? What are those creeps doing down there in that cell? And all of a sudden, the worship of God is filling a place where people are held in bondage. All of a sudden, in the place where people are held in their chains, caught in their sin, with no understanding of how they could get free, God places two men who choose to express their praise to God in that moment. Mm. It's our first big point this morning. When we express thanks together, we reveal the presence of God in the room. It's true. Now, I know the scripture says that God is with us. God is, the theologians use the term omnipresent. He is able to be in all places at all times in his fullness. If he's here this morning, he's not in any less form in another church because part of him is here. Amen? He's not in any less form in the United States than he is in Australia this morning. He has the power to be fully there, fully here. His presence is here. But here's the deal. I can know that truth. I can believe that truth. I can be grateful for that truth. But there is something that happens when all of a sudden I'm with another believer, even three believers, and there's something that happens just with those two or three being together. There's a sense in which God is in them, God is in me, and we understand God is there. But there is even something greater that happens when all of a sudden there begins to be a conversation about the goodness of God. And we start expressing what God has done in our hearts. We don't keep it silent anymore, but we begin to express it. When that happens, all of a sudden, you bring into the room the reality of God's presence. All of a sudden, he, wasn't, he was there, he was just there before, but when you begin to speak about his goodness, he is there in that moment, and you know it. He was there before, but now you know he's there. And I'm sure these people in this prison might have thought this is the last place God would show up until Paul and Silas start expressing, start praying, start recognizing what God has done, and start singing. And all of a sudden, there's this very, very keen awareness that God is in the room. Amen? Yeah. Hey, when you get together with your family this week, just take the opportunity. Don't just pray a scripted prayer that maybe you've always used. Do something a little different this year. Ask your family to begin to just mention at least one way that God has been good to them this year. And watch what happens. As they begin to see, and you'll begin to see, God in 
the room. When you express thanks together, you'll see the presence of God. Now, I'm going to pick on us men some more today. Sorry, guys. It's just our day. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I know, men, that sometimes it's difficult to be expressive with your feelings. Your wife probably wishes it wasn't so difficult for you. Ladies. Okay, I'm giving you, yeah, you have full permission to amen, ladies. You always do, but I really want you to make use of this time. Guys, I know it's easy to default to just talking about surface-level stuff. How about that weather out there, boy? Thanksgiving's going to be a cold one. <sighs> boy, that's going to be a meaningful Thanksgiving, sir. Thank you very much. You know, and it's easy, to, it's easy to go to some of the other defaults, sports, you know, economy, politics. Just, you know, it's Thanksgiving. It's time for giving thanks. Truly, let it be about God. See him in the room. Bring him into the room. You do so when you express your thanks. Guys, let's get past the stereotypes. I know there's this stereotypical image of men in America that, well, I'm just tough and all, you know. And we don't do that stuff around here. Let's just eat. Or, you know... <laughs> Come on, you know, let's, I don't know why that got to be the classic image of men. I'm going to tell you from scripture, that's not it. A real man knows how to speak confidently about God in his life. A real man knows how to give glory to Jesus Christ in his life. And he's unafraid of that. In fact, he kind of likes it. It's the new frontier. I'm going to step out there. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to show my family what it means to be a man who follows Jesus Christ. I'm going to speak boldly about him. I'm going to be grateful for him. I'm even going to admit my, my weaknesses so I can point out his strengths. That is a man. Anything else you've seen or heard in a magazine, on the internet, on TV, in a movie is a fallacy. Don't buy it. Don't walk in it. Be a man who is a man of faith, unafraid to speak of Jesus Christ. Ladies, there you go. Thank you. Here you go. Get past your insecurities, guys. Get past, well, we never did it in that way. Our family before, so, you know. That's okay. It's okay that they didn't do it in your family like that. You're here to start something new. You're here to break the chain. You're here to start a new generation that follows and acknowledges Jesus Christ in your family. Let's do that. Amen? Amen. When you do, you're going to see God show up in the room. He's going to reveal his presence in ways you hadn't seen before. Let's not be afraid of that. Not just feel it. Express it. Say it. Get past it. Get past your awkwardness. Get past the insecurity. Get past the stereotypes. Get past all that stuff and be a man. Let's go on with the passage, verse 26. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Wow! Paul and Silas start off by just acknowledging God's presence, soon they're praying, thanking him for his promises, soon they're singing, they're unafraid, they've broken the stereotypes, they're not insecure, they're not going to be held by all that kind of stuff, and they're boldly proclaiming the goodness of God, and something miraculous happens. I promise you, guys, when you step out and lead, when you step out and be a spiritual leader in your family, you may be surprised at the miracles that happen next. And for these men, here's the miracle that happened. They're in prison. It says, in this moment, there was a great earthquake. That was unexpected. 
didn't know it was coming. You can't put it in the forecast. No one had any idea it was going to happen. But in this moment, with the epicenter apparently being where Paul and Silas are in a cell, the ground begins to shake. The ground begins to move. So strategically planned by God that it actually causes, as the passage says, the foundations of the prison to be shaken. Stay with me on this. The foundations of the prison were shaken. The area that held the men in place was all of a sudden shaken. The place that kept men in prison and in bondage was shaken. The foundations, the, the, the piece that held it all together was all of a sudden shaken. I'm going to tell you, when you start speaking confidently, speaking boldly, expressing God's goodness, you're going to upset some foundations. You're going to cause some things that have been long held, maybe in your family, maybe in a generation, that caused men to be quiet about their faith, that caused men to be bound up in some areas of their life that are prison areas that they can't get free from. When you start speaking confidently and boldly about what Jesus has done, you're going to start moving the ground a little bit. You're going to cause some people who've been held in some addictions, who've been held in some hurts, who've been held in some depression. You're going to all of a sudden see those foundations that have held them in those prisons begin to be shaken. Amen? Come on now, don't leave me hanging on this thing. We're going down the road here together. Foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened. What held them now opens. And everyone's chains were loosed. This is no freak accident. This is no random occurrence. This didn't just happen to be appropriately timed. God caused an earthquake to happen so centered, so strategic that the doors would open and chains would be loosed. That takes a wise God to do that. And he moved because two men were willing to verbally express his praise. There are people held in prisons today I'm not talking about in Dallas County. I'm talking about in the hearts of men. There are people today who are held in prisons of fear. You might not be able to tell it outwardly, but inside they are bound up, locked up, and they've been beaten by it for a long time in their life. They're unafraid. I mean, they are afraid to speak. They're afraid to move. They consider their future, and they're filled with terror. They have no ability to just rest and trust God. They're in a prison. They're going through their life, but they're in a prison, and they're held there. They're waiting for someone to come along and say, you know, I have found God to be faithful. I found God to be good. God delivered me at a time in my life when I couldn't see what was going to happen next. I was racked with fear, but God showed me his love. He poured it out on me, and he showed himself. They're waiting for someone else to come along and say, you know, I was in the same situation. I was, I was, con I was so confused. I was so filled with panic disorder in my life. I couldn't even function. But then the Spirit of God came and worked in my life. The Spirit of God came and changed me. And all of a sudden, when two or three or more start speaking those words, that one who is held with fear, all of a sudden, their foundations start being shaken. The things that they've held to start being a little rattled a little bit. The things that they've, that's kept them in bondage all of a sudden starts getting moved a little bit because now they're seeing the reality of God's presence. People who are held in prison today because of anger and resentment, they're there because they have some wrong beliefs about who God is. They're there because they have some unresolved hurts in their life. They need someone to come along and speak about how God gave them forgiveness when they had really, truly made a mess of their life. They need someone to come along and help them experience and see how forgiveness plays out in a marriage 
when there's been infidelity and one chooses to forgive the other and God begins a work of restoration, they're waiting for someone to come along and speak and declare the goodness of God. And when two or more come together and do that, it begins to unsettle the foundation a little bit. It begins to move a little bit. And pretty soon they're hearing and they're trusting and they're believing God and the door swings wide open and they get free from their anger and bitterness. Amen? Amen. It's true stuff. This stuff in Scripture is not by coincidence or random chance. This is all designed by God, even for this moment. And when you begin to speak truth about who God is, when you choose to no longer be afraid, when you choose to speak out, you begin to destroy strongholds. You begin to bring down those who hold others in captivity you begin to set the captives free because you see, when we express thanks together, we reveal not only the presence of God, but the power of God. Mm, you reveal the power of God in the room. That's why we gather here to do that. You know, we worship so that might happen. So the power of God might be seen here today because everybody in here has got some situation in your life today that you'd say, man, I really... I'm desperate for the power of God to work here in this. If he doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. And if you're in that spot, you need someone else in the room to say, I've been there. I've walked through that. God has shown himself faithful. Here's what he did for me. And that kind of stuff builds up. It encourages. That's why we sing. That's why we pray. That's why we preach the message. Because when you, when you begin to speak like that, you reveal the power of God in the room. But here's the thing. The opposite of this is true also. If you speak complaint, worry, fear, anxiety, resentment, you reveal the power of the enemy in the room. You give him the credit. You give him glory. You unleash him to do his work and pollute people's minds. And it's time for us as the people of God to say, that's it. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to keep speaking about what he's doing to me. I'm going to start speaking about what he has done for me. I'm going to do it for my sake and I'm going to do it for others. Because I may, I may be in a prison cell right now, but God has placed me where there are others who are listening, and I'm going to speak so that they might be free. So be careful of that path of complaining, of criticism, of ungratefulness, of whining, of being bitter, of holding resentment. You'll unleash the power of the enemy as to the power of God. But when you choose to be thankful, when you choose to trust God, when you begin to speak about his power, oh, something happens. Hope ends up becoming bigger than the fear. Forgiveness becomes bigger than the bitterness. Love becomes bigger than the hate. Vision becomes bigger than the depression. Redemption becomes bigger than hopelessness. You start to see that God can restore, can redeem, will do what he said. Restoration becomes bigger than self-destruction. And the power of God is seen. Let's go on in the passage. Verse 27. It says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open. Imagine being this guy. He puts Paul and Silas in prison, and it's late. It's late in the night. And he, he goes to sleep. What are they going to do? They're all locked up. He goes to sleep. He wakes up after the fact, after it's happened. Seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He's about to take his own life because of the situation. It's hopeless. It's desperate. If I get found out as the one who was on guard while this happened, I'm done. I have no future. I don't know what God's doing here. I don't know what's happening here. I'm clueless. It'd be better off to just take my life 
because I can't be filled with the guilt for this, the fear for this, the uncertainty of this. He's ready to be done with it all. Verse 28, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We are all here. They didn't leave. They didn't run. God was doing something big here. It wasn't time to leave. It was time to stay and see. Verse 29 and 30 says, This man, he called for a light, ran in, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out. He brought them out. He brought them out. And he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? All of a sudden, this man became very well aware that God was in this place. That God's presence was there. God's power was there. And he, all of a sudden, became desperate to know, what do I have to do to be saved? I want what you've got. I need this kind of power in my life. I don't have a future for my life. I'm in a desperate situation. I don't know what's going to happen next. What must I do? I've got to have what you have. You see, it all started because two men were willing to express their heart of gratitude to God. When you do that, when you get together and you express your thankfulness together, it not only reveals the presence of God and the power of God, but it also reveals desperation for Jesus. If there's anybody else in the room at the time and they don't know that presence and they don't know that power, they're going to become desperate for it all of a sudden. Hey, we all know the family member, the friend, friends, family members, who need to know the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. And it's sad in our day, what usually happens is when they come in the room, we're like, well, let's don't talk about church stuff today. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm not going to deny the reality of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm not going to deny the reality of Jesus Christ in my family. I'm going to speak. I'm going to boldly proclaim. When you do, and the Spirit of God shows up. The power of God begins to work. Those who don't know will become very desperate all of a sudden. What do, what do I have to do to get that? i got to have that. Well, I want to be saved. I want what you have. I've never seen somebody with that kind of confidence before that God is here. I've never seen somebody thank God and pray to God while they were in prison. That jailer must have thought, I get a lot of people through here. And some of them are crazy. But I've never seen two men come into this place and pray like you prayed, sing like you sang, trust God like you do. I want that. I want that in my life. You create a desperation in the room. Watch what happens next, verse 31. It says, so they said, you want to be saved? Here you go. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And we're going to throw in a promise here, sir. You and your household. Because, sir, when you bring back home what you've just experienced right now, God's going to be faithful to work there. And Paul and Silas held to that promise, and they spoke it in confidence. And this man would now go back with boldness. There's no indication that they knew anything about who Jesus Christ was prior to this. There's no indication of that. So Paul and Silas are speaking boldly. And they say, sir, you will be saved. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household. So let's go there, right? They didn't know. They didn't know who they were, but they speak this boldly. Verse 32, it says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. They went to this house. The man said, well, great, let's go. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my family to know this peace. I want my family to know this presence and this power and all that's happening here. So we go back, verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. 
The man who was holding them in prison now becomes the one who's washing them from all the beating they received. He's becoming the one who's serving them when he had been the one who imprisoned them. All the hate is gone. Forgiveness has flooded the room. Reconciliation has happened. Restoration has happened. This man meets Jesus Christ. And it all began with two men who were willing to be unafraid, not follow the stereotypes, and speak confidently of Jesus Christ. Mm. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Just imagine, he goes home and his family's there, his wife is there, and his children are there, and they're watching dad wash the stripes up in the back of Paul and Silas. This had been a hardened, cruel prison keeper. And here he is gently washing the backs of Paul and Silas. He's a changed man. And it all started because two men would be unafraid to speak boldly of Jesus Christ. Verse 34. And bringing them up to the house, he set a table. Wow. A table before them and rejoiced believing in God with all of his household. God prepared a table in a place that Paul and Silas least expected it, in the dark, in the prison. And they would be grateful there, not complain, not be bitter, not be vengeful, but instead grateful to God for his goodness, his design, his purpose, even at midnight. And God would use that table experience to bring them to another table where an entire family who didn't know Jesus, who didn't know peace, who didn't know love, who didn't know the kingdom of God, that they might all of a sudden know and believe and be baptized. When you express thanks, there's power. And we see families redeemed. What a promise. Every one of us have people in our family that we're still praying for. Amen? We've got family members who are struggling hurting, in need, lost, turn their backs, walked away, don't trust, filled with resentment, bitter, and angry. Paul and Silas didn't write off the one outside, did not write off the one who had put them in prison. Instead, they began to thank God while they were right there in the midst. And it led to a place where his entire family was changed. This man was going to take his life. This man was going to end it right there, hopeless, without Christ. This man was going to send heartache and tragedy into his family. And instead, he's redeemed. Instead, his family is redeemed. Instead, his family is restored. And it began because two men chose to express thanks to God. It's time for us, the church, to not be silent anymore. It's time for us, the church, to not be fearful anymore. It's time for us, the church, to stand up and speak with confidence about the goodness of God, what he's done and what he will do. It's time for us to not let the enemy have the place at the table anymore. It's time to not let the crowd dictate our direction. It's time for us to let the praise of God go before us. It's time for us to speak with thanksgiving, even when you don't know what tomorrow will bring, but you know who sits on the throne of tomorrow. 
this is what it's time for. So this Thanksgiving, for all of us, but for us men, this is your moment. This is your moment to reveal the presence of God in the room, the power of God, to help those who are desperate, and to see restoration come to your family. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this morning, we are aware of your presence here today. We acknowledge your presence, your power, what you've done to bring salvation to us, what you've done in sending your son so that we might be free. You've broken the chains of bondage. You've set us free from the sentence of death. You've shown us your love. You've brought us into a place of life. You've made us to sit at your table. We share in your inheritance. We share at your word. We share in your love. We're part of your family, and we thank you for all of that. And God, today you're calling us. You're calling us to not just be ones who keep that inside, hidden, protected. You're calling us to be ones who speak and express our thanks to you, to acknowledge you, to bring your presence into the room, your power in the room. And I pray we'd have the strength to do that. I pray for men today, that there'd be a spirit of boldness even this Thanksgiving season, that would fill them with courage to do something they've never done before, to speak out in ways they haven't before, to lead out as spiritual leaders who will trust you, who will acknowledge you, who will follow you. So I pray we'd have that heart today, that courage today to speak up, speak out, and acknowledge that you are in the room. We pray in Jesus' name. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.